Play it, play it, play it, play it. We are gay like a fruit. We are looking like a snack. You are listening to Fruit Snacks. Was that American Horror Story? That- it, I was just singing that in my head. Yeah, it was. It, but it was um, Brock. What's his name? I don't know. Uh, the boy who does like all the funny videos and the makeup tutorials and... Bretman Rock? Bretman Rock. Uh-huh. Um, it was him on his pole. And the <laughs> caption was like... And it, you know the the video where he like lights the fire? Uh-huh. And then he swings on the pole? Uh-huh. It's like me summoning a man after finding a... a spell or something on google or whatever it was <laughs> but then they overlaid that opening to come in. yeah um have they announced the new season i guess there isn't one huh or did i, I don't know i don't know either i hope that ugh, i miss halloween already i know me too but the last season the 19 whatever 84. 80s by i didn't like we tried to watch it and i was like yeah. no yeah you hated it hey guys i'm brian i'm shane and you are listening to Bruce I can't decide if I want to do a catch up or talk about hot topics. Do both. Let's just do both. Mine's a mixture of both. Okay, well, perfect. I've done the most adult thing of my life this week in watching all four nights of the DNC. Ah. In real time. Yeah. Not even like clips, like how I watch the view. Yeah. Um,. Some of it I absolutely hated. It felt so outdated and so like traditional America. Right. And I'm like, Ugh. like, like you can clearly tell they're trying to push an agenda. Yeah. Well, it's like agenda pushing. It's that like ethos go for the heart and the uh-huh. feels. And I don't mind that, but it's just like so staged and edited to fit this mold. And I'm like, Ugh, stop that. Like get yeah. somebody new to produce this. Yeah. There's, um, I will say the first two nights I thought were absolutely awful. Like I hated them. The second two nights I locked, I liked so much better. The one thing that I hated, and this will only pertain to anybody who watched it or all four nights and knows what I'm talking about between like each of the main segments, they would put up like a black screen with essentially like an outline of an American flag kind of thing. Mm Mm-hmm. Just kidding. It was not an American flag, but it was like a America wants, is like written up in the top left mm-hmm. corner and then there's just blank lines. And I don't know that those were the words, but it's something like that. And then they would just fill it in with like words pertaining to the clips that have been played. Right. And every time they showed that screen, they would play a clip from this song. And I don't know what song it was. I don't know who sang it. I don't know who chose this song, <laughs> but whoever did should be fired. Like it was so bad. And it was so like 1990s, like country American, <laughs> I hated every second of it. Why why is it that like when they want to like say something as American, they they do country? Country, like, I don't know. Uh, who the fuck listens to country uh, music? <laughs> like that? I, it was like country rock is kind of like the feel uh, of it. And, why. and the only like thing worse than country is like country rock. <laughs> yeah, and like, I just save a horse, ride a cowboy. Yeah, but like the two words that it, it so it was the same part of the song every time they played it and it was rise up. But it was like drawn out in like this rocker kind of like, oh, uh, Lord. <laughs> like it was so bad. I hated it. <laughs> That's like um, when you're like in middle school and they teach you PowerPoint. <laughs> you're like, <laughs> literally, you're like radiant fade. literally, 
you know, that was like before you like designed your MySpace page. Yeah. You were like, I'm setting a mood here. <laughs> yeah. And this mood for the DNC clearly was not for your um, demographic yeah. or your target market. <laughs> also, I don't know if I just made up that whole American flag format, but if that's not what they were going for, <laughs> it should be what they were going for because like that's what I pictured in my mind. I like popped in obviously with, when you were watching part of it. Yeah. And, I was like instantly like not a thing for me. Yeah. Like I stand for what they're trying to go for, but mm-hmm. like, no. And it's weird because like, I feel like if you're not Republican, which I mean, I'm not, I don't think this is like jumping off of the deep end when I say this, but if you're not white and like heterosexual, I feel like that's the Republican party of like oh, yeah. their image. Right. And yeah. anything outside of that, you're just like this big umbrella of Democrat mm-hmm. and what do they call it? It's like being in the LGBTQ plus community. Yeah, it's just like, like we're all just sort of ABCD, lumped MTA, together. Yeah. yeah. And like if you're anything outside of that small segment, it's like, come, come, come over here. We got, we got a space for you. Yeah. And it's just funny watching it. Cause I was like, oh, of course they have people singing some like American song. I don't even know. Mm-hmm. Again, I was so tuned out. It was like America, you know, all these little kids yeah. singing it. Yeah. And then like they had every ethnicity. I was like. I will say, I forget now if it was the national anthem that they sang, but on the last night of it, so last night, they they filmed the Dixie Chicks singing, or sorry, the Chicks singing the opening, whatever, the anthem or whatever Mm -hmm. it was, and it was much more staged and like music video quality, so it was like a lot better. Yeah. Um, But God, it was just like... It was like they've filmed this for the past like six months, and the first two episodes were filmed in the first few months of quarantine yeah. when they, nobody knew what to do with yeah. like editing and like getting people in. Um, yeah, but overall, it was kind of cool to see the process. I wish I could have seen it all in one night and not dragged out over four. Yeah. I didn't realize uh, this probably sounds so stupid and ignorant, and I will own up to that because I don't know, I haven't known much about politics until, you know, recent events. Um, but I didn't realize we were still doing the whole, like all 50, however many American regions and lands get to be a part of the roll call and who they're nominating Uh, and how many votes they're nominating for each candidate. As in like, because Bernie Sanders had already officially, um, signed paperwork to be a part of the election, um, process at the DNC, they had to nominate both Bernie and Biden, um and each state or province that's what i was looking for had to give their x amount of uh votes to to, so they would be like seven votes for bernie and like 300 to biden kind of thing um and that process a took forever but b was sped up by the fact that i was texting jakara the whole time and we were like oh yes they better come in like there was a land that i didn't even know we had anything to do with and they were speaking um I, I'm like not even going to pretend or something like the Caribbean. Yeah, but more like Asian Pacific Islander uh. kind of region, and like they would speak in native language, and I didn't know what I didn't know what was happening during parts of it. And again, out of my own ignorance, I didn't even realize that they were part of American. Yeah, you know, like sovereignty. Democracy yeah, or democracy. Yeah, it's funny because it's like I feel like that's kind of like what it is when you watch the opening uh, ceremony for the Olympics, Olympics, where like it's like flashy, 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 boom, 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 and then they have like the the ceremony or the procession of all the athletes in every country, and you're like, ooh, yeah, <laughs> like yeah. Time, you know, Literally. you kind of check out, and you're like, oh, that's a that's a country. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's funny. And it was like so. Uh, awkward seeing people from different states because there wasn't one format that everybody followed so like some of the states were straight up in like a cornfield like standing socially distanced (laughs) and one person would be like 
we nominate, but you know, whatever. And then there would be other people and it was like very prestigious looking and like well formatted. And then like fucking Delaware was like Delaware passes. Right. And they do this alphabetically. So like Delaware's at the very beginning and they're like Delaware passes. passes and I'm like, what? wait, what? Like when, how is that a rule? And they came back to it, I believe, because Biden's from Delaware. So I think they just wanted to close with his. But I don't know that. So me being a viewer, I'm like, how do they just get to pass? Like, can other states just pass? But I think it was just for that ethos thing of being like, well, we're so proud of Biden and we're giving him all these votes. Yeah. It it just. Yeah. There's a (laughs) lot to learn. They're all like, we have 40 votes and we're going to Trump. (laughs) (laughs) But it is. It's. It's hard to follow along if you are not familiar with politics yeah. because you're like, wait, how is this working? And like, I'm sure it's obviously different when they can actually do it all at one convention mm-hmm. and there's not all these like hodgepodge of people from all across the country and the world actually um, kind of like uh, signaling in. But right. overall, it got better and Kamala's, Kamala's and um, Biden's speeches, I absolutely loved. Like, those were ethos, but in the perfect way. Sure. Yeah. You were the target market for that. I was the target market, yeah. <laughs> I feel like um, the, the small bits that I saw, like Michelle Obama or, like, even Billie Eilish speaking, mm. it was like, they were pulling no punches. They were like, Trump is not fit to be this motherfucking president. Yeah. Like, bitch, oh, uh, let's wake the fuck up. And, and I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. I love that no one's trying to be politically correct right now. Yeah. They're just like, no, fuck this bitch. <laughs> and I have to say, so here's my two things that I'll say, and then I'll, I'll kind of be done with this. The first is they were formatting it in a way that was like feeding into sociopolitical issues happening right now. So like all four nights had its own host. So you had um, like Eva Longoria, we saw uh, Tracy Ellis Ross, Tracy Ellis Ross, Kerry Washington, and then Julia, Julia Dreyfus, Julia Eloise Dreyfus Uh from Veep. And so obviously they're, they're going for that. Like we're women strong. We empower women, women of color, um, which is great. Uh, and there's two parts to that. The first is it kind of sucks when it just seems like they're playing these like political demographics Uh just for the sake of a vote. But with that being said, they're also giving voices to this community. And I'll take that for what it is right now, because we got to see four extremely strong, powerful women host these nights and like sort of bring people together to be like, we need to come together and vote. Um, the other thing that I'll say is Julia Eloise Dreyfus and Andrew Yang opened up last night with this quick little SNL type comedy skit that was TV gold. Like <laughs> it was like I wasn't watching the DNC anymore. They hold they held like nothing back in talking shit about Trump. Love it. And then she continued on hosting because Andrew Yang was just kind of there to open. She continued on hosting through the fourth night and the whole time she talked about Trump and or Pence and just knocked the shit out of them. And I loved it. And I feel like at least now, like before that would feel dirty, mm-hmm. but I feel like maybe this is just coming from a s- single-sided view because I'm on that view, but like, I feel like people are just fed the fuck up with Trump yeah. and they're like, well, this bitch. But I think where that comes from is he, he puts that out. Oh yeah. No, I, I think yeah. it's all yeah, yeah. purposeful. Well, I mean like uh, the way like, that you warranted. explained it made it seem like because he's a president kind of thing, which I agree, like normally, you know, the chicks were canceled because they talked shit about our president overseas. We talk shit about our president everywhere now. No, but I mean, like, I feel like everyone 
in America is kind of like collectively, collectively oh, yeah. like, no, you're a fucking douchebag yeah. shithole because like the stuff he's done against gay people, against uh-huh. the Black Lives Matter movement and all the protests, um, what he's doing against um, women, you yeah. know, like yeah. all these little subsects of groups are like, oh, nah, bitch, we ain't fucking with you, yeah. you know, and then even like the pandemic that crosses all borders of socioeconomic and like race you know all these people are dying from it and people are like oh no you really are a dickhead uh-huh. that doesn't know shit you know yeah and honestly like you know there's it's in the headline that his brother just recently died uh-huh i personally think his brother died of coronavirus because they have not said, said how how or anything yeah and i think he and i was talking to my dad about this but we both think that he is realizing that like he fucked up mm-hmm. and i think that's why he's so like aloof because I think the trauma of it all. I also don't think he's smart enough to like self-actualize and like look internally about these problems and admit to where his faults are. But I really think that he's like going through it. And I'm like, rightfully so, bitch, Mm -hmm. because you are definitely putting out what you deserve and you're getting it back. The other issue, though, is I think sometimes uh, the right and I only say the right because a lot of them are still supportive of Trump would argue when people on the left call him a sociopath as they'll argue against that as some sort of like derogatory comment Uh or term and i'm like no i think by definition they're calling him a sociopath because i think about him post-presidency whether that's this year or in four and a half years from now and i still think if he were to be brought in front of congress to testify on any subject matter he would still find himself completely innocent of any wrongdoing but he believes it and that's what i was telling my dad too where I was like, I don't think he knows that he's even no. in the wrong because in no. his reality, like he legit thinks that he's doing what is correct. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I can go on forever. Again, like I try to respect the other side as far as like if you have diff- differing political views, I completely understand that that's completely okay. Yeah. But like also, I have trouble finding the legitimacy of your argument when. I don't feel like you have to dig that deep to realize how fucking dumb this motherfucker mm-hmm. is. It just makes yeah. no sense. Yeah. And I would not be surprised if he goes down in history as the worst president oh, for in history. Sure. But I also think that history is usually kinder to people uh-huh. than they actually are. Well, we'll see because people are trying to write history correct this time around. I Yes. Um, the other thing that I'll say is I'm trying to be very adult. And so next week I plan on watching the RNC. I was just going to ask that actually when you I started. Am. I was like, I was. it's going to be very bitch. difficult. It's going to be very, very difficult because you obviously can't say anything back. And half of it's going to be like my jaw open or yeah. like yelling. But I do plan on watching it because I think it's unfair to not listen to the other side. I think the RNC is really going to fucking show their ass. And I cannot wait. Because mm. I think. I well, think- I think if the Democrats could couldn't pull together like this strong dnc over four nights the rnc's like uh, but not only that like i just feel like they're gonna double down on what they're putting out yeah and it's really gonna show how fucking detached and like un-american it is and i'm kind of excited to see that circus and that shit show yeah um because for sure i think everyone that watched the dnc were kind of like oh yeah this is predicted like mm-hmm. yeah they're trying to like yeah reach the masses blah blah, blah. Mm-hmm. but i really feel like the rnc is like we can't show that we made a mistake so we're doubling down on everything we yeah. said so it'll be interesting work yeah. <laughs> 
this week's episode, we're deciding to do a little something fun. Um, we actually got a tidbit of this from our roommate, Brandon, because he was just recently talking to an old friend and they were talking about questions that I'll just explain the whole thing and it'll all make sense. And we're going to partake in it. Just a quick snidbit of it. Um, but just a little backstory, you guys. The New York Times article, um, this lady wrote this essay called Modern Love. And the lady's name is Mandy Lynn Ketron. And the essay is titled, To Fall in Love with Anyone, Do This. And it was a study referred to a psychologist named Arthur Aaron and others that explores whether intimacy between two strangers can be accelerated by having them ask each other a specific series of personal questions. There's 36 questions in the study, and they're broken down into three sets. Each set gets intimately deeper as each set progresses. And the idea is to mutually um, be vulnerable for each person who's answering the questions and to foster that closeness. And um, to quote the study's author, one key pattern associated with the development of a close relationship among peers is sustained, escalating, reciprocal, personal self-disclosure. So in essence, this guy, Arthur wanted to see if he could quantify or like recreate mm -hmm. intimacy um and like that depth and the love that two people experience by just like creating this like uh accelerated version of it and this lady um who i said mandy katron yeah. wrote an essay about it and so there's 36 questions we're not gonna answer all 36 <laughs> questions we just kind of picked out some that we felt like we could answer, I guess. Yeah. We picked, um, like Shane picked his tops. I picked my tops. And then of those, whatever match of the three we would use. Yeah. Um, so we're going to go into each set. And then um, we might throw in a bonus question at the end. But the idea is that we're supposed to answer these questions in depth. And then at the end of it, we're supposed to stare into each other's eyes un uninterrupted for four minutes. Are we doing that? No, we're not oh, going to do okay. that. Could you imagine on a podcast? <laughs> <No>. Goodbye. <laughs> but um, the idea is like you're supposed to create this intimacy and feel this um, closeness and then you're supposed to stare at each other and connect that those messages with the person you're looking at. Mm. And through this, it's shown that people actually have fallen in love and eventually have gotten married. Hmm. Um, and I, and this I think is actually kind of on brand for what is currently going on because you know I always say like we're so focused currently in the American culture of our differences that I actually think that if we just like take a step back and drop our guard and quit being defensive um, for our ego and thinking what we need to think or hear needs to be heard mm -hmm. and just be like, let me hear someone else's story. We would realize that we're a lot more connected than we think. So I challenge you guys as we're going through these questions to just think about what you would answer. And um, if you have, if you want to look, literally just Google modern love, New York times article, or even 36 questions that lead to love. And you can do this little activity with someone, whether it's a friend, your parent, brother, sister, or actually your significant other, I think it'd be a healthy thing. Yeah. So should we jump right into it? Yeah. Just to clarify quickly, Modern Love is the name of the column that this is right. that this article is in. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yep. The essay is from that, but it was mm -hmm. it was like kind of taken out of uh out of the ether from oh. the study. Got it. Yeah. Which I maybe clarified, but I don't know if you're saying it. I thought maybe. you said it was the article Modern Love. No. Got it. Okay, so um let's start and then if you could just repeat the question before okay. you go into it. It's not a big deal if you don't get it verbatim. But the first question, again, we're going into each set, set one, two, and three. Each set we have about three questions. So they're gonna get more and more intimate. Yeah. But for set one, what would you constitute as a perfect day for you? 
Um, I actually tried to recreate this day for myself each birthday that I had in New York. So I, for each year, um, uh, tried to like have this perfect day on my birthday because I was always off work. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, for some reason, I still associate a perfect day with New York because everything is accessible by walking. And I love this idea of like exploring, but not like in nature and wilderness. Cause that kind of gets old for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I see myself like in more of that city kind of vibe or atmosphere or a city like, um, adventure. Um, but literally my day would always consist of like going to a favorite coffee shop and like splurging on like whatever coffee and like little food dish I want and people watching. I loved like sitting outside of the cafe and just like soaking up what other people are doing on my birthday without any realization that that day for me was all about me. Mm -hmm. Like, right. Like the world just keeps spinning and everybody's kind of going about their day. And for some reason I, I noticed that more on my birthday. Um, but people watching has also become like a big part. I think being a flight attendant, we see people all the time in these mm. like unfamiliar habitats for them. So I think it's just really interesting to pick up on like what other people or how other people go about their days. Mm-hmm. So like coffee shop and breakfast, people watching. I do like being in, again, in like a city, city centric kind of park atmosphere. Um, so like Central Park or um, Washington Square Park was my favorite in New York. Meandering mm-hmm, mm-hmm. through, like watching sunset. If it was in New York, like through buildings or on a rooftop somewhere. Um, and then meeting uh, anybody who I felt I wanted to spend my night with mm-hmm. for dinner and or drinks and or like a night of dancing. That sounds like a great day to me. Yeah. Um, also a shower in the middle somewhere because I just don't <laughs> like being dirty. No, that's all good. I could see that being a very shame day for yeah. sure. Yeah. What would constitute as a perfect day for me um, isn't so black and white as you put it out. Like it almost mm-hmm. seems like a script for you. Yeah. Um, but for me, I think there's just elements that make it a perfect day. I think for me, being unplanned. Mm. is a really good experience for me because to me, when I don't plan it out as a perfect day, I feel like I have no expectations. So Mm. there's no letdown because I didn't expect what was going to happen. And if it didn't turn out the way the script would be, I don't have any qualm about it. And when I think back of all the days that felt the most important to me, like when I was in Thailand with Amber or just recently when I was like doing an LA food day, like there's an idea of what we're going to get into, but what we actually do, there's like no plan. Mm -hmm. I like that unknown because to me that is like, let's, let's experience life and let life give us the gifts rather than us searching for it. And I think that to me feels a little more serendipitous and like, Mm -hmm. Oh my God, like I can't believe we got into that. Yeah. Um, so that's one thing is like the unpredictability about it. I think number two, the second thought that comes into mind is the idea of yes, where, Mm -hmm. If someone's like, should we do this? I'm like, yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Um, and that could be literally anything. Even if I feel uncomfortable about it or I'm like, I don't want to spend money, that little feeling of like, why, why, why not? I love knocking that wall down and be like, yeah, why not? Like, yeah. let's do it. Yeah. Um, because I feel like again, that just opens the 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 atmosphere or in the like my my spirit to just be open to more gifts. Mm-hmm. Um and then for sure, there's two more things um, to do a perfect day is food. Mm. Like 
if I That's have you. good food, bitch, I'm like Brian on 3000. Like yeah. if I'm eating good, bitch, <laughs> yes. So for instance, like the food day I did in LA, everything I put in my mouth that day, holy shit. And like, we didn't plan, we only planned the start of the day mm-hmm. to like, be like, okay, we're meeting here and this is what we're going to go get first. But everything after that, it was just like, should we go here? Should we go here? Yeah, let's do this. Let's do that. Let's try that. And like anything on the menu, we were just like, sure, let's try it. Yeah. You know? And I, and I bring up Thailand too, cause they're just like two days that are up in my head, like in my, you know, forefront, forefront. Thank you. Yeah. Um, but like one day I was in Thailand, I was like walking and I was like, Oh my God, it's so hot. I was like a coconut, a fresh coconut would be perfect. And I turned the corner and there was a stand where mm. a woman was selling fresh coconut where yeah. she like chopped it open with a machete and it was only a dollar. And I was like, Oh, and it was, it was it the best coconut in the, ever, in the world. It probably was like any other coconut, but for yeah. this moment, the universe felt, I felt like the universe had my back and was like, here's a <laughs> gift for you. And I was like, oh my God, this coconut is perfect. So like food, a hundred percent. Yeah. So unpredictability, the idea of saying yes, food. And then the last thing, every best day, every time that I remember most and is like the most impressionable is uncontrollable laughter. Mm. So much so to the point where you just look at each other and you can't stop laughing. Yeah. And then like all of a sudden you become like, um, like you don't even, you're not even using words. You're just like making noises to spark the laughter again. And you can't stop laughing. Like those four combinations, whatever that looks like in the day, whatever season that is, whatever location, whatever food area, whatever, none of that matters. Mm. Just that, that like, um, amalgamation of all that to me, perfect day, Hmm. the perfect day. It's interesting when you said, uh, like characteristics of the day that make it for you. I was thinking the one thing that I associated with all those birthdays, like back on in New York was Uh alone time Uh. where like, I didn't really see people until later in my day, but I really liked that because it made the day about you, about me, but it allowed myself time to sort of self-express, but then also feel surrounded by other people's energy, like later in the day when I'm like, okay, now I'm ready to like, be around others and soak up their energy. Which is so ironic that you say something like your birthday is your perfect day because to mm-hmm. me, my birthday, I fucking hate my birthday. Almost mm. every year, I feel disappointed in my birthday because like I was saying with the expectations, I, I chop it up to be this experience that when it's not, I'm like, what the fuck? Like when I went to Japan, it was like kind of like a big problem. Yeah. My 27th birthday. My 23rd birthday when it rained at Baccaro. Oh, yeah. uh, my birthday just this past year in March when we had a lockdown. I was going to mm-hmm. do a taco party in the front yard and actually like have a birthday where I was like, my family's home. Like yeah. all my friends are here, you know? And it's funny how you say your birthday is like a day where you're like, that's my perfect day. Uh-huh. My birthday is like the most dreaded day of the year because I'm like, shit's about <laughs> to fucking go down. Yeah. <laughs> uh, should we move on to the next question? Yeah. Okay. If you could change anything about the way you were raised, what would it be? Hmm. I've talked about this on the podcast before, but I wish that I would have known to look at the world differently than the way I was being taught to look at it. And and I wish that I would have known that was an option for myself because I just always took what was handed to me and what was taught to me as the ways in which the world works, which is so not reality. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's, yeah. I think I would follow suit with that. But then I, I, I mean, just to reiterate what you're saying, what I would have changed to be raised is that I felt like an outsider in my own family, in my own mm-hmm. life, in my own reality, just 
based on who I was as a person and where I got placed in this universe, right? And I think a lot of the things that I internally felt yes to, my outside world was saying no. And I don't think that my parents always fostered that exploration. Yeah. Um, which I think is what you're saying is like, mm-hmm. that was very challenging. But I think like any gay story or not any gay story, but a lot of gay stories kind of have that realization mm-hmm. at a young age. But even with that said, like, I have to like, if I don't struggle through something, I have a really good way of not appreciating it on the other end. Totally. And I think that that's part of the reason why I hesitate to say that I wish that that could have changed because I also mm-hmm. think that I wouldn't have appreciated where I am now and how far I've come because that idea of you see your world and you feel all this, no, all this, no, all this, no. And then all of a sudden something goes off in your head where you're like, bitch, I can change this. Mm-hmm. Like kind of like what we were saying last week on the last episode, like retraining your brain being like, wait, yeah, I don't have to buy into this bullshit. Yeah. That realization was so pivotal in my life that I think if that, if that experience didn't happen, I don't know where joy would exist in my Mm -hmm. life because I feel like I have full control over my life for sure. Um, But again, I think I would have to agree too. It's like, I wish that I just like love was fostered a little bit better. Yeah. You know, I will say like in this blissfully ignorant way, I look back at my childhood and think of like some of the happiest, like fondest memories that I have to date. Mm hmm. But I think that comes, again, from the ignorance of not realizing that, like, other people weren't experiencing experiencing the world like that. And right. that I would someday realize that, like, this bliss that I grew up in wasn't even my own reality. Because, like, once I left the the confines that, like, created that environment for me, my reality shifted. Mm-hmm. And I sort of had this, like, self-identity crisis kind of thing where I was like what do I like what Mm -hmm. what do I want to like what do I want to be what do I want my life to entail and so it's hard because I loved the way that I grew up but that's one thing that I wish I would have known at least to expect I agree in the future totally but that's one of those things that like when you're growing up you don't know until you know Mm -hmm. and luckily you're on the other end to look back on it. But even if someone yeah. were to tell you this growing up, you'd be like, oh, okay. Uh-huh. You know? Yeah. <laughs> um, and then the final question in set three that we mutually agreed upon was, if you could wake up tomorrow having gained any one quality or ability, what would it be? And before we get into this, is this like a supernatural ability or just like any ability in general? Every time I get asked what... <laughs> What ability would you like to have? When I was growing up, it was always to fly. So that's kind of supernatural, superhero-y. As an adult, it, it is always to sing. Ah. I don't know okay, why. Okay, let's do, let's do that then. Let's do a supernatural okay. and then a real life thing. Well, those are my two. Oh, okay. Do you want to go in further? Um, no. Like, why would I, you want to fly? There's something limitless about that mm-hmm. ability. Uh, and it's weird because I have a fear of heights. Like... Uh, free falling within heights so the way one of the ways in which i like tried to kind of get over that was i went skydiving and that you're obviously just free falling you're not flying but to see the world from such a high perspective and i think you can probably attest to this being a flight attendant when you look down at the world it looks so much more quieter Mm -hmm. and more peaceful Mm -hmm. than it than it is the in the way that we experience it when we're walking through it um and yeah i just i love that 
that freedom that comes with the ability to fly. Um, it goes back to like Forrest Gump when Jenny always wishes like make me a bird so I can fly far, mm-hmm. far away. Um, do you like swimming? I do. I really because like swimming. To me, but deep waters scare the shit out of well, me. Well, that's what I was gonna say. Is that like that sensation of flying mm. is like how you are in water? That to me, right? Mm. Like you're above depth, depth, and you're at the top of it, and I feel like it creates that same sense of peace where you're just tranquil mm. and like. You know. In a pool, yes. In an ocean, <laughs> no. No. <laughs> I always think the Meg is under me. Oh, for sure it is. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then to sing, I just think it is one of the most beautiful talents. Some Like, uh, this is from my own perspective, but I think it is one of the most beautiful forms of expression and art that mm-hmm. somebody possesses. And it's just something that I've been a part of, you know, growing up in like musical theater and things like that. But I've never been, I've never held the ability to like bust out a solo mm-hmm. and everybody be like, Oh my God. Mm-hmm. And I'm not looking for it for the, uh, uh, pr- what's the word I'm looking for? Appraisal. Right. I'm not looking for that. Um, for I the just, praise of it all. Yeah. Yeah. I just want, I want to be able to emote through singing. I completely I feel understand. Like singers get lost in themselves. I when agree. They... I think I think singing is one of those things where, like, no matter who you are in the world, if someone's a good singer and they're connecting mm. with you, it always is just like this outwardly body experience where yeah. you're like, oh. well, yeah. And science has proven, like, looking at people's like brave uh, brain length. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, while they're listening to music, it it does something to the body. I and, believe that. I, you know, I don't know how to personally explain that, but we connect to music and different kinds of music mm-hmm. and for different reasons. Mm-hmm. And I love that. Yeah. I think those are good answers, actually. Thanks. Um, mine are kind of weird, but my supernatural power <laughs> would be to detect if someone is not being honest. Mm. I... You want to know that? I do. Mm. I... And I feel like you you would agree when I explain it this way, but I like the truth and yeah. I like to give the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, and even if it's a tough thing to hear or receive, I still would want to hear it because I like to live my life in reality. Mm. Um, and I guess supernatural power, I, <laughs> I don't know if it would be a good or bad thing, but if someone were to tell me something, I would want to see through that message and just know mm. oh, this is what they mean or something else is going on because I think trying to do or like do or cipher that but what would that what would that look like physically and nothing physically nothing but i'm like like if i would be like hey are you okay you would have to like respond to me in a way oh that, my like, response no matter what would come out yeah, truthfully yeah or oh, or, or anything you say i knew what would be going on oh, oh, oh and i'd be like okay no that's not true Shane, i see you know or like anything where i'm like how, do, how does this look? I would want someone to tell me the truth <laughs> because I feel like I, I give that same message to that person, yeah. you know, um, not always with tact, but I do do it. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I respect people or friendships that have that kind of like um, transparency. Yeah. I like transparency. So that would be my supernatural power. Um, but if it was like an actual ability, that's like what you could actually do. Like you're saying, I think what I would want to heighten ability wise is to be impactful. Hmm. Um, I would want people to remember I was a part of their life. Hmm. Um, and I would want them to feel like I impacted them in some way, yeah. not necessarily so trivial, like, Oh, he was nice. He let me use a dollar, you know, mm-hmm. or like, Oh, he was funny. But like, 
oh, he changed my life. Right. Like, he made me see something different. He made me believe something different. And I think internally, like, that's probably my, like, motivation in life. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't, like you said, I don't think it's a praise thing. Like, I don't care for people to, like, I don't need people to tell me, oh, my God, you impacted me so much. But I think if I knew I could, I would. But this actually um, reminds me of something completely side note, and I'll just say it really quickly. But I was on a sit in Seattle, which means we just wait until our next flight in Seattle. Today you're talking about? Today, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was in line um, at some like salad store, and someone was like, Brian Weaver? And I turn around, and it was someone from my high school, uh, from Ramstein, Germany. Yeah. Again? Again, I know. This is like the third time I've... That's weird. I know. And I was like, wait, oh my God, how are you? And then she's like, I didn't see your face, but I heard you say something to the cashier and then giggle. And she's like, oh my God, that sounds like Brian Weaver. (laughs) And I was like, how fucking strange. That is strange. (laughs) All the way from Germany, like 13 years later. Wild. Interesting. Um, So let's go into a little bit of a deeper question. Okay. Uh, This is going to be set two. So just going right off the top... What do you value most in a friendship? Mm. Uh, you go first. Okay. Um, I think right off the top of my head, what I value most in a friendship, like I said um, earlier, is transparency. Mm-hmm. I like when um, my friends, at least my close ones, tell me exactly where they're at with our relationship as well as what they need because I feel like if you tell me what you need as a friend or if I hurt your feelings or if there's an issue and we just nip it in the bud, my intention as a friend is never to intentionally hurt you or make mm-hmm. you upset or make you uncomfortable. I know that sometimes we'll get into conversations that I feel like you need to hear as a friend, right? Yeah. But I don't think I ever come from a place of malice to be like, bitch, you're fucking stupid. I hate you or try to bring you down. Yeah. And so for me, I feel like the best policy of like keeping keeping things out of the gray area is to be very black and white Mm -hmm. and just being aware of who you are and what you're bringing to the situation and vice versa especially the emotions deep down and i feel like a lot of my close meaningful relationships are with people who are aware of who they are and that transparency to be like i can't take on this energy or you affected me this way right or whatever and on the flip side to that is just someone who is selfless when it comes to knowing what I need. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I feel like I'm that way. I don't think my friends need to tell me what they need. I can see when there's distress and how to help them. And I feel like I, I like that same reciprocation where if they're like, how are you? And I'm like, Oh my God, I'm so stressed because X, Y, and Z. And they just jump into action to help me. Mm. That to me is like, you're my teammate rather than a friendship. Yeah. And we're like taking on life together. Cause I feel like that's when those little situations is what makes me feel close to a friend Hmm. yeah that's good what about you well it's interesting because i'm trying to think of my answer but like i've talked before whenever i think of questions that have anything to do with friends i always think of like the tribe that we talk about Mm -hmm. on the podcast a lot and what i always talk about is like uh, having different friends for different needs and reasons and that's not to be like i'm only going to come to you for this reason the people that would be in my like tribe or direct circle would be people that i would love to be around most all times um but they just have this like specified like if i'm if i really need to be consoled in like a physical way i'll like go to one person Mm -hmm. kind of thing and if i really need the truth to be told i'll go to this person for that thing um 
But the two words that keep coming to mind are reciprocity and um, longevity. Ooh, girl, that first one's big. I know. <laughs> Explain to me what reciprocity means. Reci- well, actually, I hope it means this. <laughs> what I mean is like <laughs> reciprocal. Okay. So like uh, I uh, just like a relationship, a romantic relationship, I don't want to feel like one person is putting in all the work to make the friendship work. Right. I think there, there will be times like that in most relationships, but um, I, I, I wouldn't ever consider that to be a good friend. Right. Right. Like when I see somebody at work, like when I was a flight attendant and somebody would like not let a conversation go, like they're putting in all the work to make that conversation happen. And I could just like care less about investing in that conversation conversation. Um, and so I just think like if I or the other person is putting in all that work, that's not somebody I would like consider a friend. So I would need that more like reciprocal relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, the other is longevity. And I, I say that because I think it's like great to be spontaneous with relationships and like, oh my God, look at like the friendship that's grown from that. But and I, I don't think you should, like, enter a friendship with any expectation of a timeline. But I do, like, and maybe this goes towards, like, the reciprocating of energy, but I like the idea that you're in the friendship for more of the long haul. And not that you always need to be acting on that, but sort of like a rela- like for us now, at least in, like, our 30s. I feel like when we start romantic relationships, it's not like, I'm just going to go on a couple dates mm-hmm. and like then be over it. Like we're, we're investing in it. We want it to be something that like is long-term. So maybe this answer is coming from like a different time in my life, like, or a later time in my life right. where I may not have answered like that before, but right. that's important to me now where I can look down 20, 30 years from now and be like, I still want this person to be in my life. I um, completely understand that. Like, I think that is a very good quality. But for me, I feel like when I, when I think of longevity, I think the idea of it is what I would strive to have. Obviously, mm-hmm. it's like the same energy that I need in my life. But I also feel like I would hate to feel like I had to be this person's friend because of time. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I think the idea of time is more so that... Uh, like, to me, I see friendships like for seasons, right? Yeah. Where I'm like, this person brought what I needed in my life at this time. Mm-hmm. And if we stop being friends, maybe another season will come back around to where we're like, oh, we can be friends again. And we both go through the journey we need to, to be supported or supportive towards each other. Yeah. But I also don't think that if someone is toxic in your life or like whatever they're going through, isn't really benefiting the friendship mm-hmm. and they need to take themselves out of it for a second. I'm like, okay, it doesn't matter how long we're friends. Like, yeah, if we end this friendship, time doesn't mean shit to me but i also think that yeah. comes from a place of having to continually move and leave friends so it's easy for mm-hmm. me to be like yeah time doesn't mean anything like i could feel just as close with like a six-month relationship that where two people you know me and a friend have done a lot yeah as as opposed to someone who i've known for my entire life you know well it's interesting you say that because i just recently reconnected with somebody who was a best friend of mine and there was this time of separation and I was like, I can't have that person in my mm-hmm. life right now. Kind of like what you were just saying, yeah. but in 
going back to where that friendship was, I was like, where, where were those feelings of like, I want this person to be in my life forever coming from. Mm -hmm. And they were really good places. Even looking back, you know, before we stopped talking or we, before we had this like separation. Um, and I wanted, I, I wanted that person to know that like, I still cared for them in a way that validated, um, the relationship we had before Mm -hmm. and the reciprocation that I got back was exactly what I needed in that moment. Right. In that uh, his words were something along the lines of whether, um, no distance, whether coastal or kitchen table will like change the, the depth of our friendship. Mm-hmm. I was like, Oh, I needed that. But that's when you know, it's a good friendship. You yes. know what I mean? And acknowledging where both of you need to give and pull and totally. have that like, you know, that conversation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's important. Yeah. Moving forward. If you knew that in one year you would die suddenly, would you change anything about the way you are now living and why? Yes. When I saw this question, I was like, uh, this sounds like an interview question. Mm-hmm. Like a job would, would want to like gauge who you are as a person. So they would ask a question like this. And I don't typically like questions like that. Um, it's almost kind of hard to answer now because COVID restricts us from mm-hmm. doing certain things. Because I think in in reality, I would love to be like, honestly, I would quit my job and just travel wherever I always wanted mm-hmm. to go. But we can't do that right now. Yeah. So like, I don't know. I I don't know. What, what do you say? If I knew I would die in one year, the thing that I would change about my life, the immediate thing that comes to mind is give everything away. Mm. Because to me, all the stuff that like is creating this idea of Brian and what I am as a person is not important once I'm gone. Mm-hmm. But I would want to give my stuff to people that matter in my life. Mm. Like I'd want this house to go to someone important or yeah. like a communal space where it's like every time we're here, it creates that energy that I wanted mm. in my life being alive. Um and like I was saying about the perfect day of not saying no and having that idea of like, let me receive these gifts mm-hmm. from the universe. I think it would kind of propel me into that to be like, yes to everything. And I mean, literally everything. Like I would say yes to drugs. Mm. I would say yes to sex with whoever the fuck <laughs> I would like, whoever wanted it, y'all yeah. come hit it up. Okay. <laughs> I mean, that's a lie because yeah, yeah. I like, if I'm not into you, I'm not going to, that. that's a waste of a year, you know, like yeah. I don't want like <laughs> yeah. Joe Schmo. Or unless Joe Schmo's cute. Um, mm. But I literally would just be like, yeah, why the fuck not? You know? Um, yeah. So the reason that it may, the reason this question becomes like an interview question is, why don't you live that way now? Because you have to be responsible, right? Like yeah. if I were to I do- agree. I'm just asking this because- <laughs> but like, okay, I'll just I, go through the things I said, yeah. right? Like if I start doing drugs, that is not productive in my life to stop working and doing drugs. Okay? Mm. No. Um, and then two, having sex with everyone, like I'm going to die. So I don't really care about diseases, but bitch, I'm not even having sex and I'm on prep. That's how much I care about. Yes, I am being safe currently, but that's how much I care about diseases is that I'm not even having sex and I'm taking a daily pill to prevent me from having STDs. Mm. And it's funny because every time I get blood work done every three months, my doctor's like, no STDs, no HIV, like great job. I do get a little bit nervous, but I'm like, "Eh." after a while, like wore off. But I'm like, of course I don't have STDs, but of course I'm like. (laughs) freaking out about it and then um with like life and saying yes to everything that is just 
financially irresponsible and I have responsibilities Mm. to like pay this house, you know, supply, you know, supply for myself. And if I didn't have those socially constructed ideas of what success is, I'd be like, bitch, I am successful. (laughs) And honestly, I would be kind of relieved to hear that I'm dying. (laughs) Not like a, like, yes, that's suicidal. Sure. Um, I don't think I would want to go through like a debilitating death where like I'm starting to like slow down and stuff. Like I just would want it to take me out really quickly. Mm -hmm. But yeah, the thought of dying, I'm kind of like, oh, finally, I don't have to worry. (laughs) Like it's like this like sense of peace where I'm like, oh, bitch. It would almost kind of actually thinking about it in reality would almost kind of stress me out because I would start making checklists in my head of like (laughs) who I have to see, what I have to do. Before I could even begin enjoying it for myself. See, I do the opposite. I don't even think, mm. who do I have to see? I'm like, if I was important to you, we would make time. Like, you No, would I make know. T- I, I'm, I know these people would make time, but I would like go through the checklist of people that I want to make sure I see. I see. And it would start stressing me out because I'd be like, how long do I give this person? Like, you know me and like lists and See, but timelines. I wouldn't even care because if they started putting that pressure, I'd be like, it's not about you, bitch. Like, you're not dying. <laughs> That's how I would see it. I'm like, you would, you still survive. You, you'll be fine. Like, it's yeah. about me because I'm dying. So <laughs> I'm going to prioritize people the way I want to. Uh-huh. So if someone's like, can I see you? I'm going to be like, no, I don't have time. <laughs> like, thank you. This is cute. We had a phone call. Thank you for reaching out, but I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm almost kind of living right now, like, as if I was dying next year. <laughs> Like, most people quit their jobs. They make big life changes. I moved across the country. Yeah. So. Bye, Shane. Yeah. (laughs) And then the last question for set number two is, what roles do love and affection play in your life? Uh, Key roles. Okay. Like, if I was a company, those would be, like, two of my top, like, core values. Um. For me, I'm like on the opposite end, but I Mm -hmm. say this in like a disappointed way that love and affection is like totally taking a backseat for me. Mm. Um, What do you think of when you think of affection? I think of affection in the sense of like outwardly showing love, right? Love is a feeling. Affection's the action. That's what I think. Because one of my love languages is like touch. Uh That's what I think of when I think of affection. But I don't know if I just think that because it's the way that I describe it or yes. define it. Yeah. Um, no, I see affection in the same way, but I wouldn't necessarily think touch because I do think that like that mm. intimacy, whether it's sex or just like that soft rub of the back of someone mm-hmm. you are intimately involved with or whatever, like you wouldn't necessarily do that with your friends, but then you would because there's that intimacy as well. But for me, like doing things for people is mm. affection you know or like having that self-disclosure to be like hey i i care about you thank you so much for spending time with me or whatever Mm. the small gesture is to me that's like your action of love sure um and i have to be honest and this is why i say it's disappointing to me is because i don't feel a lot of love in my life Mm. um and i think it's kind of like a catch 22 for me. Cause I don't feel like I give out a lot of love, nor do I look for it. And then I don't receive it. And it makes me upset that I don't get it. So it makes me have this like outwardly cruel idea of the world. Not every day. Like I don't think people are in a bad, but this is just me kind of like off the cuff right now yeah. of like most extreme example. And then it kind of like s- cyclically, is that a yeah. correct word? Yeah. Kind of goes in a cycle of like, no one loves you. I don't need to give love. Mm. No one loves you. I don't need to give love, yeah. you know? And I think that's just like, obviously from past experiences and stuff like that. And then affection, like I don't 
outwardly perform love because I don't feel like it's there. Mm. And I, as I get older, recognize that. And I'm looking for that and I'm open to it. And I feel like I'm doing a lot of work towards that direction. So it's not a sad thing for me. Yeah. Um, it does feel like a exciting new adventure, which is great, which I don't feel like I've had that kind of like feeling about love or affection in a long time. Yeah. But yeah, for sure. The role that love and affection play is definitely the backseat. What's interesting in the way that we answered, and I think that I subconsciously did it, uh, was with all due respect to like Russell and the people that I've dated, I always think of love in terms of my closest friends first, then my family, then my romantic partner. Mm. Which is funny you say that because I feel like it doesn't really fall within that, that frame. Like I feel like with you, the way you categorize your life is based off of who you're dating at that moment. And your life and who you are as a person kind of revolves around that person that you were as a part of that relationship, right? Like when you think of New York, you think of Edward. When you think of your co- cruise contract, you think of uh, Vinny or mm-hmm. Jean-Luc. When you think of Disney, you think of Disney um, College with Pablo or Disney Disney with yeah. Al. You know what I mean? Or like Christmas time with this person. But I also think that those like people represent and reflect like my identity as a person during those times right but i mean i get what you're saying as far as like friends family relationship because i always think that your friends are the common denominator that always you fall back onto Mm -hmm. but i also think that you do it in the sense of like those are interchangeable because i feel like when you go into a relationship and you continually go from one relationship to the next and that's not a read that's Mm -hmm. just reality i feel like your friends are the ones who What's that game where you have a paddle and a ball and it's like on a rubber band? <laughs> and oh. it's like, tick, 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 um, paddle ball? Paddle ball. Is it paddle? Right? No, I don't I know. But so. do you guys get what I'm saying? It's like a ping pong paddle yeah, with yeah. like a rubber band connected to a ball and you just like hit it. It's like a hard rubber ball. Yes. Like your friends and your family are somewhat of the paddle mm. and your relationship is the ball. And you always want to keep showing love and affection where that's your, your goal is to hit that ball as far as you can to keep it afloat. Right. But then it always comes back. And I wouldn't say it's volatile by any means, but like you said, love and affection definitely defines who you are or it's like taking Mm -hmm. the steering wheel is because I feel like you always are driven in the way that you're feeling. And so that's why it's always like, again, not volatile, but that game can get very aggressive in the sense that like the harder you hit it out, the the harder it comes back at you. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like that paddle is your foundation while your goal is to keep that ball afloat. And that's where I feel like not always your friends are your main focus, but I understand why you would still put them in the category of friends, family, mm-hmm. relationship. But I also think that the one in three of friends and relationship switch a lot. Like they go back and forth. Hmm. And that's just an outsider. Stand. I mean, like, again, yeah. that's not your reality, but that's as a friend, how I see it. But mm-hmm. that's also based off of my definition of what love is, because to me, that's probably why I haven't been in a relationship for very long because mm-hmm. to me, friends are the number one. And yeah. I always feel like my relationships probably feel secondary to everything else, which mm-hmm. is why they always feel like I don't need them. Or but like, I feel like I can only say that because I know my friendships are so solidified. Right. And well, like that's what concrete. I mean. Like the foundation. Yeah. 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 But in that sense, yes, where we're not going anywhere. So yeah. it's easy to put them as number one. Cause it is like, I'm always going to come home no matter where I travel in the world. But even like when I when I do things 
like even within my relationship, I sometimes feel like at the expense of the relationship, I'll include my friends and in what I'm doing. Yeah. Because I want, I want my worlds to collide and be able to coexist. Mm. Yeah. No, I get that. Yeah. Did you answer? Yeah, I did. Oh, okay. Um, thank you for listening. <laughs> this intimacy is great. Um, let's move right into set three, the most intimate we're ever going to get in this next few minutes. Um, first question, complete this sentence. I wish I had someone with whom I could share blank. You can go first. Okay. I wish I had someone with whom I could share my subconscious with. Mm. And I say that because I think me as Brian loves to put out what I think I need, but I think the friendships and the relationships that are the most important are what people know my subconscious needs. Right. Mm -hmm. Like if I'm telling you, I don't need that, but then you do it. And I like, I'm like, Oh, I'm glad they actually did it. Yeah. Which is kind of ironic. Cause again, that's not being very transparent, but I say that in the sense that, and let me try to explain it, but I'm like, Oh, I have this, this, this to do. I'm just going to do it. Right. And then if someone's like, can I help you? I'm like, no, I don't want to put that burden on you. Yeah. Right. But if you did it for me, I'd be like, oh, thank you so much. Yeah. But because I'm just so used to creating the world that I live in by myself, it's easy for me to get overworked into thinking I need to do X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. And I don't relinquish that control. But the people who are just like, and I, and the people who can and the people I trust to relinquish this, mm-hmm. I respect because they just don't even ask. They're like, I'll do it. And I'm like, okay, you're right. You know? And that to me is that depth that I need. And so for me, I wish I had someone who can tap into my subconscious and know, I know Brian, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's no walls with the person that I see. And that's like obviously metaphorical, but like even the relationship feels so transparent that it's like, I see you. I choose you, I'm being you, and I'm being what you need because I love you so much that I'm here for you. Mm -hmm. And I don't always feel that in my life. So someone, even me saying that makes me feel like like chills because I'm like, yeah, that's the kind of person I need. Mm. Where they're like, I'm choosing you every day because I want to be here, not because I have to. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd want to share my subconscious with them. I don't know how you would do that because you can't outwardly give your subconscious. You could choose that as your superhero ability. No, I already want to be impactful. So fuck that. All right. (laughs) Um, no, that was your reality decision. Your superhero was lying. Yeah. Same, 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 same. Um, I don't know. Read the question one more time. Complete the sentence. If I, or excuse me, I wish I had someone with whom I could share blank hmm. I don't know how to answer that here's where I struggle with questions like this yeah let's explore that I like to well the reason that I struggle is I I always want this like perfect answer for things like this and I don't have them so I don't then I just get like lost and I go to like multiple avenues of what that could be for me so I hate answering questions like well, this. Well, with that, maybe you want to share that idea of surrendering to that person where you don't have to think and they just... Maybe. The thing that kept coming to mind was like someone that I could share 
like the way that I was talking about my birthday. Uh huh. And like the first part of my birthdays in New York was always like kind of spent by myself. Somebody that I could share that alone time with without feeling like I have to entertain them during that alone time. Right. So like uh, coexisting within our own alone times together. Yeah. Is like what I think of. Um, so I'm going to go with that answer. It's almost like you want someone to be your accessory where you can carry them around. Yes. Um, I know that sounds like stupid, <laughs> but I mean that in like an authentic yeah. way where it's like they help you when you need like your backpack. Right. Mm. But then you don't realize that it's there. Like it yeah. doesn't bother you. It doesn't make you uncomfortable. It's just like something that helps you and just strictly mm-hmm. is there to benefit you. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Next question. If you're going to become a close friend with your partner, please share what would be important for him or her to know. You can go. Okay, so let me just read that again because I'm a little bit confused. <laughs> if I were going to become a close friend with my partner, please share what would be important for him or her to know. Okay, so if you want to be my close friend or get intimate with me, what you'll need to know is that I'm very critical on life Mm. period i think i've criticized myself a lot i criticize everything that is in my life i criticize how every pretty much every sense that i get whether it's smell touch taste i have an opinion about it but there's no judgment to it Mm -hmm. um and i'm critical in the sense of just acknowledging it but not necessarily having one feeling or another and i feel like it's kind of like that black and white thing that I say. And I feel like I get into conversations with friends a lot because they always say, you make me feel, Mm. you make me feel bad or you make me feel stupid when I'm like, for instance, if someone was like, Oh my God, I'm eating too much. And I'm like, okay, well don't eat that donut. Then they're thinking that I'm judging them for eating that donut donut. and being like, you're stupid because you're trying to sit here and say you're not skinny, but you're fat because you're eating a donut, blah, blah. Literally none of that goes through my head. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, just don't eat the donut. And whether you ate the donut or not, I don't judge you for that. I Mm -hmm. really don't care. I acknowledge the fact that you're, struggling with that but then to me i'm like well there's your solution again Mm -hmm. you don't have to take it i don't care if you don't listen to me there's no judgment behind that but i think that alone makes people feel very uncomfortable yeah (laughs) and i realize that but i don't feel the need to stop it Mm. and uh that's kind of like the transparency that i wish i had with other friends but then also like i think too much of it would probably be too much um but that's one thing my criticism and then two I am very stubborn and harsh. Mm. And I I think everyone, and you knowing this, like I'm very difficult. Mm -hmm. Even though I'm easy to be, like I can get along with anyone. But when you're around me in longer doses, I'm very difficult. Yeah. And I think all my friends are like, you're one of my best friends, but also my hardest friend. And I understand why they say that. So I'm like, if you're going to be my friend and you want to get close to me in that sense, whether it's a partner or not, you got to know that it's going to be like, a journey, mm-hmm. a long journey. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my answer sort of goes back to why I put friends before relationships, and is because this started with my relationship with Edward, where we had a full conversation about how a I feel like I had already found at the time a soulmate within my life within. A friendship uh-huh. and that I didn't that I saw more of a soulmate 
relationship within friends than I did within a romantic partner. Um, and it's hard because if I saw, I mean, the goal I feel like should be to want to be like good friends with your, with your romantic partner. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still feel like at the end of the day, they are still your romantic partner. So like in that, I would need them to know like within that specific friendship, I would still not turn to them for necessarily everything, but that doesn't mean that it's not because I don't want them to be my everything. It's just, again, I have friends for different needs and they may not fit the need of a particular like moment that I'm going through. It's like this and correct me if I'm wrong, but if your friends are a spice cabinet, you have one that adds the spice Mm -hmm. or the heat, right? That makes it spicy. One that adds salt, one that adds sweetness. Mm -hmm. And then your significant other would be like everything but the bagel seasoning where it kind of has a little bit of everything um, where it has enough to where you're like, Oh, I want to get intimate with you in this sense, because you remind me of this friend, this friend, this friend, this friend, that kind of is like the catch all to just season all the food of life. Yeah. But you're like, I still go to the spice Mm -hmm. when I want spice. I still go to sugar when I want the sweet. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's a good way. Thank you. Yeah. And then last question. Of all the people in your family, whose death would you find most disturbing and why? Hmm. I think immediate family right away. But who? Well, I'm saying, like, uh, is that the question? Of all the people in your family. That's hard, because I also extend out to my, like, cousins a lot. But I'm just going to go with immediate family for this answer. I think the most bizarre would be my... Ooh, I don't know. Bizarre is a weird, like, word. It doesn't say bizarre. Oh, what does it say? Strange? <laughs> Let me read it again. Of all the fam- all the people in your family, so you yeah. choose one person, yeah, yeah. whose death would be the most disturbing? Oh, disturbing. And why? That's so who would be the most impactful? Bizarre. <laughs> bizarre. <laughs> hmm. um, do you have an answer? I do. You can go first. I think of all the people in my family who would be the most disturbing would be my brother. Mm. Because I think Alan has this thing about him where no one can do any wrong in his eyes. And I envy that because mm. I, I feel like he lives life without the pain. Yeah. And that's not to say he hasn't gone through struggle, but my brother never is in a bad mood. And even mm. if something affects him in a negative way, he has a really good idea of like bouncing back. And he's like a really positive light in the world. And to watch that go out would be very like disturbing to me because I feel like it would be a very unjust death. Mm-hmm. And obviously everyone dies for whatever reason. So that's like silly to say, but I always, when I was a kid, I always would think about my brother's death. <laughs> not in like a morbid way or like yeah. I wouldn't want to kill him, but it would always make me really upset because uh, I think he like, we haven't always been on good terms. Not that we were on bad terms, but again, like with the season analogy, we just weren't in the same season throughout our entire life, which is fine. Yeah. But I always know that like Alan always meant the best that he could in the moment of what he knew. Right. Mm. Like even when he was saying the stuff to me that made us fall out of season, I knew it wasn't coming from a place of like torment or 
hurt, it was coming from a place of misunderstanding. And if he just yeah. knew what he should have known, he would have absolutely corrected that course. Mm-hmm. And people like that are like hard to come by. And I think that's why it would be so disturbing. Mm. Yeah. All right. Um, uh, when you said impactful, it kind of changed the question a little bit for mm-hmm. me. Like uh, it, it helped me understand the question. And so I'm going to say my mom, because I just think that like since birth, I have bonded more with her than I have anybody else in my yeah. immediate family. Um, yeah, I think it, as, as much as our relationship has evolved in the past 10 years compared to what it was when I was living at home, mm-hmm. which like she was my world when I was at home. Like, I don't know what I would have ever done without my mom. And now I feel much more independent from her. Um, it would still impact me in a way that would be different from anybody else within my family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would agree with that. Understanding your relationship with your family. Mm-hmm. For sure. I would have guessed your mom. Yeah. Um, so at this point, you guys, we're going to take this time to stare at each other into each other's <laughs> eyes for four minutes. I have to pee. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> we'll come back with the end season. Simple things that interfere A day, a week, a month, a year We bring it up for a reason Simply put, the sins in season So what you got for us this week? I'm so sick of summer. I'm ready for fall. <laughs> so people- summer is my out of season. Fall is my end season. For people who don't know, California has gotten a big heat wave and there's been quite a few actually wildfires up north. A I lot, was just yeah. in San Jose. Two of them. I just read two of the wildfires happening right now are both standing in the top 10 largest wildfires in California's history. I believe that. I know yeah. um, right now in Northern California, it's bigger than the whole state of um Rhode Island. Damn. Yeah. Which Rhode Rhode Island is the smallest state. It's small, but in the US. But exactly. That's a very big um, area to be burning right now. Yeah. When we were flying up there, um, Mm. we started like descending into San Jose. It was the eeriest, most weird post apocalyptic kind of Mm. feeling. Yeah. Because you know, like when you're in the air and it's daytime, it's super bright. Like there's no cloud coverage because you're above it. Yeah. Then once we started going through the smoke clouds, instantly the whole cabin turned bright red. Uh, And I was like, whoa, what the fuck? And then there was turbulence and it felt like you know that Satan got his hands on us. I was like, ooh bitch, this is scary. (laughs) But yeah, it was kind of creepy. Um but I will say though, now this being my third summer the new windows and the AC actually does keep this house very cool. Yes. Not your room. Not my room. Not my room either. Well, it's not even that. I, I'm i just sick of being hot. And that, like, I'm sick of being hot. Uh, I've had fun, but I also think that progressing into a new season will make me feel like we're, moving even ahead. if falsely uh, believed, I believe we're, like, moving forward out of COVID and... <laughs> And I love everything. I love more layers. You're I love, a fall bitch. For I sure. am a fall bitch. I love pumpkin flavored things. Yeah, you're a white base. Cinnamon, <laughs> cornbread, chili. If you were a season, for sure, fall is your season. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and I really hope it rains this fall. Oh, I want so much rain for my yeah. fruit trees. My grass is dead. I, I just <laughs> want my plants to thrive. I feel so bad. Yeah. California is so dry right Yeah. Now. Our lawn is basically a reflection of this country during COVID. <laughs> <I'm> just dead. <laughs> just dead. <I'm> just dead. <laughs> um, for me, my end season this week is this podcast, which I actually recommend you um, listening to. This well, po- I'm on it, so I'm not going <laughs> to... Stupid. Um, other than fruit snacks, I think you guys should take uh, listen to this podcast. It's like 
um, a progressive story. Mm. So it's like a series almost. Um, and it's like a documentary. And it's called uh, Nice White Parents. Mm. And it's about how all these parents um, came together to decide that they wanted their schools to be more integrated and less segregated. Hmm. So they voted on moving a school in New York closer to their borough. But then once they actually did, none of their white parents sent them there. Oh, shit. Yeah, none of the white parents sent them to the school. So this 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 um, reporter is doing a podcast about a story about how um, – white parents are like ruining segregation Hmm. because and again this is all like you should listen to it but the things that they bring up is that like when they realize that a school has like really good foundation of like education or a linguistics program or sports or academics they come in and do these school tours and these parents code the school based off of like racial terms but they're not realizing it because they're Mm. being pc where it's like they'll come in and be like, well, the school was just a little too loud or too Mm. rowdy or, you know what I mean? Where it's just like not the vibe they're going for. And then even still, like they, she goes into all these different schools who quote unquote became segregated. And it reminds me of a lot of the schools in Long Beach too, like Long Beach Poly, where Long Beach Poly is like in the heart of Long Beach, like downtown. And it is very athletically driven. Mm. A lot of the athletes that go to that school go to D1 colleges for sports and then play professionally. And they have a really good academic program program as well but the people who are in the accelerator program are the white kids oh interesting so it's like yes you're mixing all these students but not everyone is having the same basis of um education quality right and what a lot of people were saying in this this podcast like a lot of the parents of ethnic kids or ethnic parents were saying that like they don't have the same access to teachers and stuff like that and Mm. when they bring them in all of a sudden the white kids come and kind of take over the school and, and they like gentrify education completely. And for instance, one of the examples they used was that, um, in Manhattan, these private schools or these public schools have huge wait lists because so many, you know, parents want their, their kids to be in these schools. And then they wanted to do like a dual French linguistic program in this school. That's like not as nice, but if they, felt like they could bring the right donations and stuff in and get the right people in, Yeah, the, the school will get heightened. And all of a sudden, all these white parents are coming to the school because they teach French and English at the same time. So the kids, when they mm. graduate or move on into high school, they're dual, yeah. uh, they're bilingual. But then with that intention, like, yes, you're giving access to all these kids, but these kids who already go there already are bilingual, Spanish right. and English. And now you're saying that, like, French is more important. Mm -hmm. And now you're looking at them for being stupid because they're not up to par with their French. And so it just like brings all these layers. And I feel like the way they explain this podcast is so um, poignant. And it it feels like, yes, obviously there's a message that needs to be received, but it doesn't feel like they're putting blame as much as just clearly putting out what is, what is, you know, like reality. And then she goes back and like, interviews a lot of these parents who signed the petition to get the school closer and she asked why why didn't you send your school there and none of them can or why didn't you send your kid to that yeah. school and none of them can answer they're like honestly i don't know and then <laughs> they even like they're like maybe i was naive or ignorant but i probably now can realize and recognize that segregation ideally was better 
than in actuality for my kid. Mm. Because if I sent him to that school, I didn't want him to not have the same opportunities that he would have had he gone to a different school and I didn't want to be the guinea pig. Yeah. And I'm like, huh. damn. Yet you're the one signing the petition to move the school completely out of right. the borough. And then all the kids who go there have to take multiple buses and trains to get to the school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's worth a listen. Okay. Well, speaking of white parents who ruin everything, Lori Laughlin was just sentenced to two months in prison. Girl, that's what I was going to say in our fruit roll-up when I was like, do you want to do that? But then we talked about the DNC and I was like, it's fine. We, I won't add more bullshit. But yeah. Well, it fits better here. Yeah, I agree. And we'll jump into that next week because I think that's actually a very important co- yeah. conversation to have. But I think that just wraps up this episode. Great. Thank you guys so much for listening this week. Hopefully this was a fun episode. I actually had a lot of fun yeah, it was doing good. this episode. Thanks, Brandon. Thank you, Brandon. <laughs> um, as always, you guys, if you liked this episode or any previous episode or this podcast as a whole, the best gift you can give us is to rate, review, subscribe, listen, share, and all of the above. If you want to reach us or follow us on Instagram, you can find us at Fruit Snacks Pod. And on there, we post IGTVs every week and just kind of um, do like a vlog of our week. So if you guys are interested in seeing us in action, follow that. Mm-hmm. And then if you want to be more personal and write to us through email, you can reach us at fruitsnackspod at gmail.com. But as always, thank you guys so much for listening and hanging out with us this week and as always we will catch you next week on fruit snacks bye bye